What do we do after Easter? Good question to ask because Easter is kind of the pinnacle of the church year. I mean, uh, everybody, Easter Sunday, looking forward to Easter Sunday, getting ready for Easter Sunday, going to be here Easter Sunday. Uh, it's, it's kind of, and then what happens after Easter? I think that's the question the disciples asked. What do we do after Easter? I mean, Christ was crucified. The resurrection story and how he appeared to the disciples and such amazing things took place. And I'm sure they're thinking, man, what do we do next? Oh, I mean, what happens next? And so, in looking at this, in Acts 1.8, I want to read this to you. The disciples have come together. Luke is, the, is writing again, and this is about 30 years after the fact. And he says in verse 6, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, meaning all of them kept saying, Lord, Lord, when's this? Lord, when, when, Lord, they kept, you know, every time when you've been on a trip and your children are going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's kind of what they were doing. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? We've seen what you've done. We have no doubt who you are. And can I tell you something that's great about this? They had amazing confidence that he was coming back. There was no doubt he was coming back. He was going to bring a kingdom into place. They knew that with all their heart, mind, soul, and body. They're saying, when's it going to happen? We know it's going to happen now. There's no doubt. We know you're going to set up a kingdom. When is it going to happen? When are we going to be set free from Roman oppression? When is things going to change for the good? Well, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Nobody knows. Nobody will know, okay? But here's what's important. Here's what's here. Here's there, guys. I understand you're caught up in, in, in the kingdom. That's great. But here's what I want you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. First of all, you've got to wait for power. He had told them in John earlier in the Gospel of John that I must leave, but I will send a comforter. He will come and be with you and take care of you. And manifest my life in you every moment of your life. He said, but I've got to go for that to happen. So here's what took place. He said, but you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then the ascension. He was taken up into clouds. And I love what it says. They actually strained as they watched him leave. You ever strain your eyes to see something that becomes smaller and smaller and you're trying to get that last glimpse of it? These men were so in love with Jesus. They just watched him as he went out of their sight and they kept looking and looking. I think I still see him. I think I still see him. I think he's gone. I don't see him anymore. Two men stood there and said, why do you look standing up? Why are you staring up in the skies? The same Jesus who left will come back the same way he left. What do you do after Easter? First of all, you tell his story, and then you tell your story. That's what he's told us to do after Easter. You tell my story, and you tell your story. You're witnesses to me and what I've done and how I've impacted your life. You see, the first thing I want you to get is we are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit 
to share the message of forgiveness and hope. Wow. They would never again see Jesus in the same way. They would not be able to reach out and touch his arm as they were walking down the roads of Jerusalem and Judea. By the Sea of Galilee, they would no longer get in a boat with him and hear his voice. They would no longer watch him gather children on his lap and bless them. They would no longer hear him say audibly to that lame person, get up and walk. Their life was forever changed. And they're kind of wondering, what do we do now that he's gone? He said, well, I've got that cover. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to empower you to do what I've asked you to do. Please hear me. Jesus left to multiply his message and ministry through the work of the Holy Spirit. He can do more now with the Father than he did on earth because he does it in all of us, wherever we may be, wherever we work, wherever we go to school, wherever we uh, have entertainment, he's there with us. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us. Actually, the word for Holy Spirit is paraclete. He's our constant companion. He's the one who's like, if you're diving on an airplane, he's like a parachute. He's going to be with you all the way down. If you get in a car wreck and they call the ambulance, there's going to be a paramedic that's going to ride with you all the way to the hospital. The good thing about the Holy Spirit is he's going to be with us from the day we're born again to the day we enter into the gates of heaven and forever be with Jesus. He's with us. Not a moment in time he'll forsake us or we'll be without him. So we look at this and realize he's our constant companion. Not only that, here's what I want you to know. He said, I want you to be my witnesses. And they're going... We've not done too good at that. Matter of fact, Peter's going, I've kind of blown that. Uh, I didn't do good at it. He said, that's okay. I'm sending the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses. The reason we're able to witness effectively is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We tell his story. We tell our story. It's just simply doing that. The Holy Spirit provides the opportunity. How many of you, we all got stories. We like to tell stories. That's how we do life. Men get together, we tell stories. How many of you got a hunting story? Raise your hand. If you got a hunting story, raise your hand. Ah, uh, I got hunting stories. How many of you have told them? Yeah, because we like them. How many of you got a fishing story? Raise your hand. How many of you ever lied about the size fish you caught? Raise your hand. Up, oh, yeah. We got stories. How many got golf stories? I got golf stories. We got all kinds of stories about life. Our favorite restaurant, we got a story there. Some of us have a story about our date in life. Maybe a great wedding story. Some of you in this room have a story about how you survived cancer. What God did for you. Some of you have got a story about how you managed to get through a time of grief and suffering. And could have done it without the Lord. Some of you had to say goodbye to a loved one. You got a story. We all got a story. And if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have a story. And it should be just as exciting as your hunting story and your fishing story and your survival of cancer because it's a part of who you are. It is why who you are. And so we look at this and realize the Holy Spirit does that. He brings to life our story about Jesus and about what He's done in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us opportunity. 
He's the one that provides. He sets the stage for us to talk. When Peter is finally in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes and comes in a new dynamic way and, in, and fills our lives, okay? He, in, he lives inside us. Before that, he only, he only uh, uh, worked upon us. But after Christ came, went to the Father, the Holy Spirit now works in us. He lives in every believer. Every follower of Christ has the Holy Spirit in them. He is a he, he's a person, not a force. And so he lives in us to function out the kingdom of God, to bring to life the message and ministry of Christ through our hands, through our mouth, and through what we do. Now, because of that, he provides the opportunity. When Peter finally, as man, God, God gets a hold of him in an upper room, they come down and they're having a ball. They're laughing and enjoying the reality of Christ in them. And people say, you guys are acting like a bunch of drunks. No, man, it's too early to be drinking. But let me tell you what has happened. Let me tell you my story. Man, Jesus was crucified. You guys crucified him. He rose from the grave because the grip, death cannot hold him. And then... And then the Holy Spirit's come in a whole new way, and he lives in us. And I'm here to tell you about the one who can change your life and save you and make a difference. I'm here to tell you about the one who can set you free. And he said, you guys crucified him. He rose from the grave. He sent to the Father. And they said, what must we do? What, do you want to, what should we do? Because the opportunity was given for Peter to preach to thousands of people. And then there's another guy named Philip, and he is in a great revival, preaching, and, and the angel says, you need to go to the desert. And he goes, okay. And as he's going to the desert, the Holy Spirit says, see that chariot coming down the road? Yeah. You go walk next to that chariot. You, you, you join up with that chariot. What was happening? There was, the Holy Spirit had orchestrated an opportunity. And when Philip gets next to the chariot and he begins to hear and understand this guy's reading, he said, do you understand what you read? And the guy says, how can I unless someone explain it to me? And guess what? The Holy Spirit had put someone there to explain it to him. And he sits up and he says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you the story. And the Ethiopian was saved. Do you understand what we're supposed to do after Easter? It's not just wait till the next Easter Sunday. We're supposed to be telling our story and telling his story. Again and again and again. And the Holy Spirit provides conviction to that story. He's the one that convinces people it's true. People say all the time, you know, I just don't witness because I'm not a theologian. Uh, You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You just need to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you've got the best story in the world to tell. You talk about what he did for you on the cross, how he arose from the grave, and how he has managed to be a part of your life in every area of your life, and you tell your story. That's what you do. That's how you do it. You tell your story. You tell your story. That's what we do. The message of forgiveness and hope is incredible. There's not another message like it. No matter how bad someone's sin is, there's forgiveness because of the cross. No matter how hopeless life seems, there's hope because Jesus rose from the grave. And we just keep telling the story. You say, but everybody don't want to hear the story. That's fine. You plant seeds. You plant seeds. I've talked with people. I've been sharing the story for 45 years, guys. Ten years before I went in the ministry, man. I'm telling people about Jesus and saying, here's what you need to know. Because that's what works. You'd be his witness. 
You testify to him, and you testify how he's touched your life, changed your life. That's what you don't have to be a theologian. That's the lie of the devil. He's made people believe that. No, you just got to tell your story. That's enough. That's all people need to hear. Tell your story. It'll work. Suppose they got questions I can't answer another time. Tell your story. Tell your story. And so the second thing I want us to get is this. We, em- we are to embrace our mission to be his witnesses locally, nationally, and globally. Meaning, simply put, we're to be out doing the job of witnessing to what we've experienced. We tell the story of what happened in our life because of what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's the same thing. We tell the story. What's your spiritual story? I love the Apostle Paul. He is going, you know, when he got, when he met the Lord, he kept telling his story. No matter who he met, he told his story. He said, let me, let me, let me help you out here. He said, let me tell you my story. When he stood before Agrippa, he didn't say, let me give you a historical lesson on Israel. He didn't do that. He wasn't trying to be a history major. He wasn't trying to be a theologian. He said, I want to tell you my life story. Oh, Agrippa. King Agrippa, hear me. I was a very religious man. I did, all, I did everything everybody wanted me to do. I was dedicated. I was zealous. I was, I was committed. I was consecrated. I, I was awesome. I was a teacher. Everybody respected me in the Jewish community. But I didn't have Jesus. And I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it changed my life forever. An experience of grace and faith made me a different man. And I'm here today to tell you about this man, Jesus, that was crucified, rose from the grave, changed my life, lives in me, and I want you to know him. And King Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me. Would you dare persuade me to become a Christian? He said, I wish you were just like me except these chains. And that we know. He just told his story again and again and again, he told his story. That's what we do. We tell our story. Some of you have some amazing stories to tell. I've been a part of them. I praise God for them. I'll, and let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will give you opportunity if you let him. If you'll say, Lord, I want to wake up today under the control of the Holy Spirit. I want to let you be my influencer, my leader, my controller. Help me to do what you want me to do. Go where you want me to go and say what you want me to say. And I will do what you want me to do today. And you put yourself under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. And God will open doors of opportunity for you to witness. Because that's why you're here. That's what he does. Maybe it's at the workplace. Maybe that's your mission field. Maybe it's doing things in the neighborhood or in the community level or even the political level. Maybe it's what you do on the tennis court or at the ball field. When Charlene was saved, along with so many of you, 10 years ago, she, she was saved and she was so excited she'd tell her story. I mean, if anybody stopped for two minutes, she'd tell her story. And I remember she was so excited. She said, because she was invited to a minister's wives retreat for the state of Georgia. And she said, I, I want to really share my testimony. You think they'll let me share my testimony? And I'm going, well, I don't know. Oh, you know, I don't know. She said, well, 
she said, well, call somebody. And I said, well, I, yeah, I know, you know, my good friend's wife, she kind of runs it, and, and I'll, I'll call and say, look, my wife, uh, man, she, here's her story briefly. She was saved, and she wants to share testimony. And uh, so I said, you know, I'm trying to, and then uh, I, so I got her to call. I said, I talked to the guy, now you call and talk to her. And, and so she called and talked to the one that, that basically is the, is the, is the president, of, I guess, the, well, the director of this. And so uh, they talked for a minute, and then Charlene said, she wants my tape of my testimony to listen to it and see if I can share it. And she was real excited. Now, I, let me tell you, I've been around this world a long time, okay? And usually when they say, we want a tape of your story, and we'll listen to it, meaning you ain't going to get to do it, okay? I mean, that's how life is. Big conference, a lot of people there. They don't know you. I said, Charlene, don't want to disappoint you. They don't know you. I mean, they don't know you. They don't know what you're going to say. They're going to listen to that tape, and, and that'll be good. But don't be disappointed if they go, we're going to wait a year and see how it goes, okay? And so I was trying to kind of brace her for the rejection. Well, that was on a Friday. I'll never forget it. She talked on Friday, and on Monday she said they called back and said, because this was like, like a, a, a week out now, they called back and said, we want you to speak on Friday night. Uh, we've had a conflict of speakers. We want you to speak and share your story. And they hadn't even got the tape. I said, okay, that shows how much I know. Holy Spirit did that guy. Well, I'm telling the Holy Spirit did that. Holy Spirit did that. Man, she went there. She shared her story. Some pastor's wives got saved. And she's been probably doing something every year along those lines. And, you know, she's president of that organization this year and all that kind of stuff. She shares her story. Because the Holy Spirit has opened doors unbelievably. Hear me. If you are willing to share your story, God will let you share your story. Because that's what, why we're here. That's what we do after Easter, is tell people about what he did at Easter. That's why we're here. It's not more complicated than that. It doesn't get more difficult than that. That's how it is. You share your story. You share your story. When I was working in the department store in Atlanta, it's a great job. I got to work there, and I, was a, I, I began to share my faith there with people who worked there. I, I was working for a Jewish organization sharing about Jesus. thought that was pretty cool. And I got to talk to a lot of guys. got to talk to guys in management. It's pretty amazing. That's what the Holy Spirit did. See, I'm not that good. I know I'm not that good. I'm really not. I, I, I'm not more talented than you. I, I'm not, you know... Uh, I'm not bolder than you. I just have learned that God opens the doors and just go through them by faith and see what he'll do. Well, there was a moment in time where I, I managed. I had some Christians that worked for me over my, in my department. It was pretty neat, and they were always sharing. And so uh, the, uh, there was a guy there who was a graduate of a Baptist college who was an agnostic. I know it don't make sense, but it's what it was. And he didn't believe, or he, he was real antagonistic, actually. And so he would talk to these people, and he would get in arguments with them, and it'd be bad. And so, uh, so finally, one of the ladies had set up for a young lady to come. She was about 22 years old, graduated from Bible college, and she was coming to, do, to, to battle this guy. She was going to come and answer all his objections and really nail him to the wall. And so the lady had come to me and said, look, I got, I got my niece coming, and she's going to do this, so you need to... You need to take, make sure this happens. So 
So kind of help us out. And I'm going, well, I'll do what I can. I realize this is a retail store. We're supposed to sell stuff. But, hey, I'll take care of it. So I'm going, so I'm making sure the store's, the floor's covered. And, and sure enough, the lady comes in, beautiful young lady, and she's talking to this guy. And they begin to converse and talk. And they talk for 45 minutes. And I would, every once in a while, walk by to where I wasn't real obvious, but I'd hear, you know, ah, what's going on? And, and, boy, she'd fire back arguments and, and things to prove the Bible and prove God. And he's coming back with stuff, and it's just going on and on 45 minutes. And finally, the young girl's exhausted. I mean, she's tired. And so she kind of says, the conversation's over. And you know how, you know, we guys can kind of put on the, I did pretty good. Yeah, I won that one. That's what he did. He kind of felt good, had that little smile on his face, and everybody's kind of discouraged. And uh, so I went up to him and said, man, let's go get a break. Come on, let's go on break. You look like you're tired. And he said, yeah, let's go on break. He said, sit down. I got, my, I got my Coke, my chocolate eclair, and I was in good shape. He had his Coke. And he said, well, I know you're listening. Yeah, I was listening a little bit. He said, I think I finished her off pretty good. She didn't change my mind about anything. He said, what do you think? I said, well, I think if you were taking points, you probably won the argument. I, I think you probably did. I think she kind of left disappointed. But the truth is, I don't, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you at all. I, don't, I just don't do that. Here's what I will do. I will tell you that a man named Jesus died on a cross for me and my sin. He rose from the grave beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he saved me, man. He changed my life. That's my story. He looked at me, and the smile was gone. I'll never forget it. He said, okay. He said, you're different. You're different. I know you're different. You've got something. I don't know what it is, but you're driving me crazy. That's the Holy Spirit. It ain't me. That's the Holy Spirit. He said, you drive. He said I, I try to argue with you. don't argue. I try to make you mad. You don't get mad. I said, brother, I'm just here to tell you this my story. I said, it was a Sunday afternoon at Harold Grove Baptist Church when I was nine years old. In a prayer room with a bunch of men and about three young people. And I was there because my dad was there. And God began to deal with my heart. I've been struggling with my need to be saved and wondering if I died, if I'd go to heaven or not. Pretty much come to conclusion I wouldn't at nine. I knew something was wrong, didn't know how to fix it. But I realized that I needed a Savior, and Jesus was the one who died on the cross to save me. And with a childlike faith, I invited him in my life. Men gathered around and prayed for me. And came out, and the pastor said, Son, come up here. Nine years old. Come up here. Tell us what happened. So I scared to death. I was terrified. But I could say was this. 
I just want to thank Jesus for saving me. Crying, you know, and wiping tears away. I said, Bob, that's my story. That's all I got. Looked across at the table, and he's trying to pretend like he ain't crying. You know how it is. It's kind of, uh, he ain't saying anything. He's looking down. Won't even look at me now. Did he get, make a decision? They didn't make a decision that day. Holy Spirit planted some seeds, though. So much so that we became friends. I talked to him often. Take a lot of breaks with him and talk to him. And when we had one of our guys, as the Holy Spirit would orchestrate it. Only the Holy Spirit could do this, guys. When, when there was a wedding of one of the guys that worked there, he invited us to be a part of the wedding, wedding party. And this guy with his wife, both agnostics, came up to me and said, Look, we're going to go down to Callaway Gardens for this wedding. You want to ride with us? You bet. Hour and a half. You bet. This is going to be fun. Guys, it ain't about whether you convert them or not. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I'm convinced of this very thing. We are here to tell his story and tell our story until he comes again. That's what we do after Easter.